Hello and welcome. This is Pastor Terry, and I'd like to welcome you to my Bible study podcast. This daily podcast is a place where we take the teachings of Scripture seriously, but ourselves, not so much. Join us as we dive into the sacred word for the Bible, and each time we read, we pray, we change the world. Welcome to Pastor Terry's Bible Study Podcast. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. It is Wednesday, February the 15th, uh, 2023, day after Valentine's Day. Hope you guys had a sweet day yesterday, you know, maybe got a card, candy, a flower for your loved one. <laughs> uh, halfway through now, the um, over, over halfway since February is a short month, you know, so... Yeah. Hope you guys are doing well. We're continuing our journey through the New Testament in a year. And so today we uh, our reading plan brings us to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. Uh, and then tomorrow, Luke 9. So we're kind of jumping all around the Gospels this morning, uh, or this week, I should say. Uh, Matthew yesterday, Mark today, 6, Luke 9 tomorrow. All right. Let's uh let's do it. Mark chapter six. Uh let's see what the Lord has to say to us. Jesus left there. Oh, oh wait, wait, wait. You know what we do? We read, we pray, we change the world. Jesus left there and went to his hometown, accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. All right, so this is kind of a little glimpse into his rhythm here. He left there and um, went to his hometown, and on the Sabbath, he's teaching in the synagogue. And people are amazed. Where did this man get these things? And they asked, what's the wisdom that has been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Okay, so it just kind of gives an insight into their, their questioning, right? Like, where is it? They're, they're amazed by his wisdom. They're wondering where, he, where he's getting all this insight from. How is he able to do these miracles that he's doing? Um, isn't this the guy that we saw grow up in our midst? The carpenter's son? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Jesus had a big, Jesus was the uh, one of a big family. See that right there? The brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. And aren't his sisters here with us? So Jesus is probably, you know, he's got, he's the oldest of probably seven or eight kids. At least six or seven. And they took offense at him. Jesus said to them, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own town, 
among his relatives and in his own home. Isn't that true, man? Like sometimes the uh, the uh, people that are the hardest to like see you in a different light is uh, is the people that knew you, <laughs> you know, <laughs> that changed your diapers, <laughs> so to speak. You know, you know they changed their your diapers. They saw you as a crazy toddler, saw you as a rebellious uh, teenager. It's hard for them to see you now in a, in a in in a as a mature adult, um, and uh, so sometimes they still kind of uh, pigeonhole you into that old person you were. Yeah, and, and we have to be that be careful with that with other people too, right? Like we have to be careful that we don't continue to play the old tape uh, of someone else's life, and when they're not that person anymore, right? Like. Uh, I heard someone use the phrase uh, when, when, when thinking about this uh, and talking about someone um, and how they are and what they do, to, you know, to think of in terms, is this the old tape or is this the new tape? Like the old tape, like the old person, are we just watching the film from the, the way they used to live or is this the new tape? Is this the, the new person? Uh, because sometimes we can, we can play those old tapes in our heads of who someone is, but they're not that person anymore. Um, and so we, are we playing the old tape or are we playing the new tape, <laughs> you know, and sometimes it's hard to play that new tape when it's someone that you saw, you know, you knew as a kid or you knew when they grew up or uh, you knew them from when they were, you know, before they met Christ or uh, when they used to be that person or. Um, and so it's true. Uh, Jesus even dealt with it, man. He grew up in uh, Nazareth, grew up in his hometown. And they're like, you know, we see this guy. How could this be the Messiah? You know, they were so close to it. It was hard for them to see uh, Jesus in, uh, in any other light. Verse 5, he could, do, he could not do any miracles there except lay, on, lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. So, because there's two ways you could run that, right? Like well, the other way you can run it is like you knew me, you know me so well, you know that the the things that I'm able to do are supernatural. And since you've been able to have a front row seat out to all that God has done in and through my life, it seems like you would have more faith. But you you worked it the other way because you were familiar with me. You had less faith. Hmm. Man, that's a good reminder for. For us in the church, man, you've been around Jesus a long time, been a Christian a long time. You know, we should be the ones with the greatest faith, right? Those of us that have been followers of Jesus for, you know, many years, we should be the ones with the great faith. Um, because we've seen and all that God has done, we've witnessed the miracles of God's uh, redemption and salvation and <clears throat> uh making beauty out of broken pieces. Uh, but sometimes Jesus is not able to do very much among us because we, we become uh, too familiar. Hmm. Yeah. Too familiar with the holy, right? That we, that we lose our, our wonder and our awe. Hmm. I wonder, you know, again... Wondering about the, the the kind of the, the revivals and stuff that often happen young adults. You know, most revivals start among young adults. If you study it, most of it it's not among uh, middle aged people. <laughs> it's not among old people. 
the revivals that sweep across our country different times and across the world, the Great Awakenings, are generally among younger people in their 20s, maybe 30s. Um, and the kind of similar to the kind that's kind of outpouring in um, in our college seminaries. But the, here's my point, college, colleges right now, like at Asbury and other places. But here's my point. Um, it's because maybe it's because they still have their awe and wonder. Hmm. Right, maybe it's because they still they they are, they haven't become too uh, they haven't become um, cursed by that familiarity bug, and they're still uh, they still believe God for miracles. They still uh, are hungry, um, and so in that God does incredible things. Uh, man, would that we would all um, regain and capture that awe and hunger, right? That we uh, that we don't let the familiarity with Jesus uh, cause him to not be able to do many miracles among us. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's a good reminder. You know, God, keep us hungry, keep us longing for your presence, keep us open to the moving of your Spirit. And uh, and uh, yeah, you know, it's always funny to me how people. Uh, it's funny these things that you know. Uh, with the uh, He Gets Us campaign. Uh, some of you may have saw that commercial during the Super Bowl, which I thought was awesome. Um, and then the same thing with this, the Asbury, the revivals kind of going on at Asbury. And there's always the critics, right? There's always the people that think they, they're the self-ascribed critic who thinks they're, they're on this planet to discern whether or not it's of God or not. <laughs> like God, here's a, here's a wake-up call, guys. God is not asking you or is he waiting for so-and-so or such-and-such or this group or that group to approve uh, his move before he does something. Hey, he's not. He's not. God's not saying, hey, uh, wait, can you check with Terry's checklist? Because I don't know if this is approved by Terry, uh, so I need to make sure that Terry's okay with it before I move upon the hearts of young adults. Oh man, God doesn't need your checklist, man. God is not interested in fitting in your. Come on, He's not interested in fitting in your box. Your box too small, man. Your box too small. God is not interested in fitting in your box. And uh, sometimes when we try to make God fit in the box, that's why God does. That's why He can't do many miracles around us. Ooh, right? Familiarity. So because we create a nice little box, we paint it, we put little stickers on the outside. Make it all pretty. It's our God box. Now, God, you stay right in here. You'll be right there on the shelf when I need you. God is not interested in your box. And that's why God, you know, can't do many miracles around us because that got too big for that box. Um, but yeah, it's funny. It's funny how, you know, when God does things, you know, there's those that just kind of take this arrogant sort of posture. Well, I must make sure, you know, I must check this out. I'm not saying being not, you sh we shouldn't be discerning. And obviously, you know, we should know the word of God. Um, but it just is interesting. Instead of being eager and hungry to uh, to get into the presence of God and to have him uh, do awesome things among us, we take the posture of, well, I must check this out first. I must, uh, I must run it through my grid. <laughs> uh, God ain't going to run through your grid, man. God going to break your grid. You know what I'm saying? He ain't going to work. He ain't, God ain't going to run through your grid. So you think you got a little grid that's got God's got to operate through before it's approved? Look, God gonna blow that grid up. He ain't interested in your grid. He don't worry about your grid. He loves 
men and women. He loves people, and he loves to move on the hearts of people who are hungry. And he's not going to check with your little grid before he does that. So you're either going to get in the fire or you're just going to watch it burn. But you ain't going to stop it. <laughs> you're either going to get in the fire or you're going to watch it burn, but you're not going to stop the fire of God. Come on. Man. I think we could all just repent sometimes of our familiarity with Jesus. God, forgive us for our arrogance and uh, familiarity that we assume that we know you so well, that we've got you, uh, we've got you trapped in. We've got you pigeonholed. Hmm. How arrogant do we have to be to assume that? Man. Verse, uh, where are we? Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village, calling the 12 to him. He began to send them out two by two and gave them authority. over impure spirits. Ooh, that's good right there, Ann. That's right, you got to trade your familiarity for fire. Mm. That'll preach, man. you got to trade your familiarity for fire. You clinging to your familiarity and it's comfortable? You ain't going to see the fire. you got to trade the f that. Mm. So you could say familiarity, comfort, whatever it is. Man, I love it. All right, verse, uh, he gave them authority, two by two, and gave them authority over impure spirits. Verse 8, Th these were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except the staff. No bread, no bag, no money, no belts. Or <laughs> Jesus didn't say that. Jesus did not say don't wear a belt. Jesus would be like, no, put your belt on, boy, because, you know, you don't get embarrassed. You're going to scare the children. Put your belt on. That's not what he said. I read that too fast. My bad. What he did say, what he did say, though, was take nothing for the journey except the staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. What's, it, what's he teaching him? He's teaching him to rely on God, man. Like I, He said, I want, you to, I want you to learn to trust me. I don't want you to go... Um, with all with all the details worked out. Come on now. Don't, I don't want you going with all the work details worked out. I want you to leave room for me to move. I want you to leave, leave room for me to do the unexpected. I want you to leave, come on, I want you to leave room for me to bless you. Let me provide for you. Let me take care of you. So Jesus gives them specific instructions. Hey, don't take this. Don't do that. Just trust me. I want you to lean on me. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place. Shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. Yeah. If they won't receive you, it's, it's, a, it's symbolic, right? Dust the sandal. Like, just let it go. Just, just uh, you know, don't take, that, don't take that rejection with you. Don't take that... Um, uh, Lack of hospitality with you, just dust your dust this, dust it off, keep moving. They went out and preached that people should repent. What was their message? That people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. You know they was pumped up, man. Like, look, ooh, boy, look what we doing. Look what we doing. 
Two years ago, we were nothing. Two years ago, we were fishing. We thought our lives were pretty much over. Here we are casting out demons. We're anointing sick people, and they're getting healed. Man, this is awesome. The preaching repentance. King Herod heard about this. King, the king heard about this, man. The king heard about this for Jesus' name had become well known. Hmm. You know, that's our mission, man. That's our mission as disciples is to make Jesus' name known. Yeah. In all of its glory and splendor and power, we want to make Jesus well known. <laughs> yeah. Our, our objective is not to make our church well known, to make Jesus well known. You know what I mean? I mean, if everybody in the world knows who Bayside is, they don't know Jesus. We haven't won, guys. We failed. Everybody in Safety Harbor knows who Bayside is, and everybody in, in Safety in Oldsmar and Tampa know who's, knows who Bayside is, but they don't know who Jesus is. We haven't won. In your, in your church, if everybody in the city knows what the name of your church is or what denomination you are, but they don't know Jesus, you ain't winning yet. Because the, the, don't, don't get it twisted, man. This, our job is to make Jesus well-known. Some were saying, John the Baptist has been raised from the dead, and that is why miraculous powers are at work in him. Others said he's Elijah, and still others claimed he's a prophet like one of the prophets long ago. But when Herod heard this, he said, John, whom I beheaded, has been raised from the dead. We read this yesterday from Matthew. Um, the, same kind of, the same thing that Herod was wondering was, hey, is Jesus, John the Baptist, raised from the dead? Well, no, but he didn't know. Yeah, he didn't know. For Herod himself had given orders to have John arrested, and he had him bound and put in prison. He did this because of Herodias, the brother of Philip's wife, whom he'd married. For John had been saying to Herod, it is not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. Bro, you, you, you nasty, you need to stop it. That's what John was saying to him. <laughs> so Herodias nursed a grudge against John and wanted to kill him. But she was not able to because Herod treated or because Herod feared John and protected him. So Herod kind of had a, you know, he, he liked John for the most part. Uh, but Herodias didn't. Um, feared John, so Herod feared John and protected him, knowing him to be a righteous and a holy man. When Herod heard John, uh, he was greatly puzzled, yet he liked to listen to him. Yeah. You know that? Sometimes people, people... <laughs> Sometimes people, you know, you know, John's preaching a hard truth right at Herod, but Herod's like, you know what? I, I appreciate somebody who'll tell me the truth, hmm. even if I don't like it, even if it's hard for me to hear, even if it's convicting. I appreciate someone telling me the hard truth. Come on, how many of you out there like that, man? Not always, but you know, there's something about it. We we like to hear the truth. Tell me the truth, even if I'm not living up to it, even if I'm still falling short. Tell me the truth. Tell me about the holiness of God. Tell me about the justice of God. Tell me about the, the righteousness of God. Tell me about the purity of God. Tell me about the expectations of God. Tell me about what it means to be filled with the Spirit and to walk in fellowship with the Spirit. Even if I fail sometimes, tell me the truth. That's the, I mean, I kind of get that from Herod. He's like, John, is he's telling me I'm living a sinful life, but you know what? I kind of know it. At least somebody's being honest with me. So I like listening to him because he's telling me the truth. He's not just tickling my ears like all these other crazy counselors I got around me. Quite what John's saying. 
All these guys, they just scared about their job. They just worried about their job. They don't want to lose their job, so they just tell me what I want to hear. But John, he don't care. He's got a higher calling. He's going to say what God wants him to say. I appreciate that. So Herod's like, you know, he doesn't say what I like, but I like what I hear. <laughs> Come on. How many how many been to church before like that? Like, I don't, he don't tell me what I like, but I like what I hear. Hmm. Man. It reminds me of a friend, friend of Bayside, man, elderly man, says something I never heard in my life. I was like, man, there's so much wisdom in that, I can't even, I don't even know where to start. I was at a, at a picnic with him one time, and he said, he said, man, look, the way I look at it is this way. He said, I would not go to a church that did everything, that did everything I wanted them to do. I was like, what? Like, yeah, I wouldn't go to a church that did everything I wanted them to do, like I, like I wanted them to do it. Really? Why? He's like, because I'll tell you what, man. If, if, there's a, if a church did everything I wanted them to do the way I wanted them to do it, they ain't doing something right. Because I know how broken and sinful I am. So if they're doing everything like I like it, they ain't doing something right. I was like, I have not heard that kind of wisdom in my life. Most people are like, that church doesn't do what I like, I'm leaving. Maybe that church is pushing on a button that you need to hear, man. Maybe here Herod's got more wisdom than some of us. <laughs> right? Herod's like, I don't like what he's saying, but I like to listen to him. I don't like it's hard to hear, but it's good to hear. Anyway, verse 21. Finally, the opportunity, uh, the opportune time came. On his birthday, Herod gave a banquet for his high officials and military commanders uh, and the leading men of Galilee. When the daughter of Herodias came in and danced, she pleased Herod. We don't even want to know what that means, y'all. Just keep reading. <laughs> Just keep on going. I don't even, we don't even need to stop there. Just keep, but I did. I did stop there. But we don't need to. We need to keep going. But she pleased Herod and his dinner guests. <clears throat> and the king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath. Now, that's not smart. That was not a smart move right there. Now, he's going to get stuck. He's going to have to do something he don't really need to be doing. Um, the king said to the girl, ask me for anything you want, and I'll give it to you. And he promised her with an oath, whatever you ask, I will give you up to half my kingdom. She went out and said to her mother, what shall I ask for? Mom, what should I ask him for? He just opened up the door for me. What should I ask for? The head of John the Baptist, she re-answered. She didn't like him. She didn't like him not one bit. The king was greatly distressed. Oh, sorry, verse 25. At once, the girl hurried to the king with a request. I want you to give me right now the head of John the Baptist on a platter. That's kind of over the top. I don't know if you need to do all that, but anyway. On the platter? Sheesh. The king was greatly distressed, but because of his oath and his dinner guests, he did not want to refuse her. So immediately, uh, So he immediately sent an executioner with orders to bring John's head. The man went, beheaded John in the prison, and brought back his head on a platter. He presented it to the girl, and she gave it to her mother. On hearing this, John's disciples came and took his body and laid it in a tomb. Man. Pretty graphic, right? 
pretty graphic and sad and a lot of lessons there on foolishness, making promises and not thinking about the ramifications and uh, all kind of craziness. Verse 30. Man, this is a long chapter. I was lollygagging around. This is a long chapter. I'm going to run out of time. Watch this. The apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. This is, remember, they went out and did all the miracles and stuff. They were healing the sick, casting out demons. They came back and they told Jesus, Jesus, you're not going to believe what happened. He's like, I will believe it. I'm going to give you the power power to do it, man. I will believe it. But I'm glad to see you excited about it. Then, because so many people were coming and going, they, they did not even have a chance to eat. He said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Man, how, that's some nice... That's nice compassion from Jesus right there. Like, guys, y'all need some rest right now. You've been out serving, ministering. You need, you, need, you, need, you need to take a breather. Some of you need to take a breather. Good reminder. So they went away by themselves on a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. And they're trying to get, they're trying to, get to the solitary place, and all the crowds are getting there first. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach, he began teaching them many things. Well, by this time it was late in the day, and the disciples said to him, This is a remote place, they said, and it is already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. This is the story we read yesterday feeding the 5,000. But he answered, you give them something to eat. Feed them, man. They said to them, said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. We ain't got the money to pay for all that. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? Nah, just give me what you got. How many loaves do you have? He asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said five and two fish. Five loaves, two fish. That's all we got. When then Jesus directed them, uh, directed them to, to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in the groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to the disciples to distribute among the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Hmm. God multiplies what we have, man, and provides for the needs of others. Immediately, Jesus, Jesus I'm going to try to finish this before we run out of time. Only got like three minutes. I got to hurry up. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into a boat and go on, the, on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Again good glimpse into the rhythm of Jesus right here, right? Ministers to the crowd, then he's going to go up to the mountains by himself to pray. Later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake, and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. This was our story yesterday. <clears throat> he was about to pass by them. <laughs> he's going to walk on by and be like, wait, 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 wait. But when they saw them walk, when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost, and they cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Like well, they didn't even realize it was Jesus at first. Immediately he spoke to them and said, 
take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. That's a message for somebody today. Take courage. It is I. Don't be afraid. Take courage. I'm with you. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed into the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the lows. Their hearts were hardened. Hmm. Still didn't understand what God had done through that. When they crossed over, they landed at Genesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognized Jesus. They ran throughout the whole region and carried the sick on mats or wherever he was. And whenever he went into villages, towns, or countrysides, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Hmm. Wow. Power of God, man. May we hunger for the power of God. May we, uh, may we exchange the familiar for the fire. May we exchange the comfort and the criticism uh, for the consuming um, fire of God. You can't, you can't receive the power of God when you're critiquing, man. You just can't. You just can't. Let's, let's regain our awe and our wonder. Let's, let's, let's regain our hunger and our thirst. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's, let's knock out the walls of those boxes and let God move uh, in our hearts. Um, in our lives. Yeah. He wants to, man. That's He wants to. And he can do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine. Hey, let's pray, you guys. Lord, thank you so much for your power and grace. Thank you for my friends today and the opportunity to gather and pray. May you bless and encourage each one of them today. Lord, we, we lay down our the walls of our box and we invite you to move in however in you choose. Move in our lives and through our churches. Uh, God, help us to hunger and long for uh, the fire of God. Lord, um, help us to always listen, even when it's hard. Lord, even when we don't like what we're hearing, because we know sometimes that's, that's when we grow the most. Lord, may you bless and encourage my friends today. Whatever they need, may you bless them real good. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, God bless you today. Thank you so much for being a part of the morning prayer and the podcast today. I hope you have a fantastic day. Thank you for sharing this, liking, subscribing, leaving a comment. Thank you for leaving all the comments online and all that interaction. I really appreciate that, and uh, it means a lot. You guys have a fantastic day. We'll be back at it tomorrow. Bye. Thank you for joining me on today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show. If this episode has been an encouragement to you, take a minute to subscribe or comment or share it with your friends. You can find me, Pastor Terry, and Bayside Church on all social media platforms. You can find Bayside at Bayside Church SH. Until next time, remember, God's word is true. Everything else is merely commentary. God bless you. We'll see you next time.